there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan, and I am just Tom Nolan. Uh, I am flying solo today, doing a little fill-in episode, because me and Mario were not able to get together this week uh, to do uh, a traditional pod at the at the Pivotal Film Studios. Uh, Mario was sick earlier in the week, and I had some family commitments later in the week. Um, but we'll be back together next week. Probably going to do a couple of uh, post a couple of episodes, um, one with uh, a traditional list one, and one with um, just some of the new movies that we've seen. Um, I personally have seen a lot of, of new films um, today, though. Um, I'm, you know, it's Friday morning. I got myself a cup of coffee. I got myself a, a ticket to see Doctor Sleep in a couple of hours, um, and so we'll be talking about that next week as well. Um, but I thought, you know. Just as a kind of holdover, placeholder episode, I would talk about some movies um, that have been on my radar that I haven't really gotten a chance to see. They are uh, streaming films now, um, but I keep a list in my in my notebook of things um, to catch um, when I make whenever I make any kind of end of year list. Um, I tend to want to be as thorough as humanly possible. I can't see all the movies, um, but I always keep a list of stuff that. I definitely should see before I make my list. I used to do this stuff with records all the time, and I would make a best of um, list, and I would spend all of my, like whatever gift cards I got at Christmas on uh, iTunes or Amazon or whatever, just downloading stuff. You know, this is before uh, YouTube literally had every album, like the second it came out, available to hear. Um, and I like to buy stuff, but that doesn't really matter. I'm getting off topic. Um, but yeah, so these are, these are two streaming movies. I wanted to do a third, but I didn't have time. This was kind of last minute. Um, so the first movie that I wanted to talk about is uh, called Little Woods. What went wrong last time when you got caught? I forgot to be scared. I liked it too much. Do you ever think about leaving? You're so close. Please stay out of trouble. What if I lost my insurance? The pregnancy and birth is going to be about eight or nine thousand. Closest place for an abortion, she said. Where is it? Hundreds of miles away. I'm sorry. It's been a rough time for a lot of people. Trust me, if you sell the house, you'd pay us to keep it. <laughs> Where are you going to get the money, Ollie? I'll figure something out. Uh, Little Woods was written and directed by Nia DaCosta. It was her first feature. It came out earlier in 2019. I actually don't know if it got a a proper theatrical release in this area. It may have been at Criterion or Cine1234 for like a week. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't remember seeing it. Um, but it was on my radar... Um, specifically just because Tessa Thompson was in it and, uh, coming off of, sorry to bother you last year. Um, I was excited to see whatever Tessa Thompson's next actual movie was going to be. Not Men in Black and not Avengers Endgame. Um, and so I was looking forward to this and I waited long enough that it finally got to Hulu. So it's streaming now on Hulu for, you know, free if you have a, a subscription to Hulu. Um. Tessa Thompson plays Ollie, and she is uh, has recently she's on probation for getting arrested for smuggling drugs from Canada into the United States. The movie takes place in North Dakota. Uh, she um, has a sister. Um, Ollie was adopted, 
Uh, she has a sister played by named Deb, played by Lily James, who has a, a young boy and who recently found out that she's pregnant again. And she lives in a kind of makeshift trailer park in a parking lot, um, where the owner of the parking lot is constantly threatening to evict them. Um, the area of North Dakota that she lives in, you get the impression, has been blighted by uh, the opioid crisis. Um, everyone seems to be looking for, either looking for. Um, oxycontin or um is dealing oxycontin or has come off from being addicted to oxycontin or knows somebody that sells stuff and can arrange for the sale of additional oxycontin or whatever medication um this is one of those movies where uh the plot eventually gets very complicated um they have ollie and deb have um their mother's house um, is being foreclosed on and they have to raise a certain amount of money by a certain date so that they can reclaim the house. Um, Ollie, of course, has a bag of pills stashed in the woods, which she goes to get. And even though she's eight days away from probation or fulfilling her probation, um, she proceeds to sell the prescription medications that she had stashed in the woods so she can raise the money to get this house. And then, it costs Deb's pregnant. Like I said, um, it costs too much money for her to have the baby. So she decides to have an abortion. Um, but she can't have an abortion in, uh, there's no place legal around her to have an abortion. It's hundreds of miles away. The the closest places in Canada. Uh, so she's thinking of having a legal, a legal abortion. Um, but to have an abortion in Canada, which is what she ends up doing. She has to get a counterfeit, uh, Canadian medical ID card. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is, it's one of those movies where, um, like people always say like the most narratively dramatic thing to just keep adding layers of, of stress to the plot. Um, so there's a drug dealer named Bill. Um, and when Bill finds out that Ollie is selling drugs again, um, you know, he gets mad and, and, and attacks her in a bathroom because, you know, she's on her turf. Um, she's literally sold drugs to, you know, five people maybe. And she's selling drugs to um, a couple of people out of the back of her car, um, which she usually uses just to sell coffee and sandwiches to guys just to, you know, scratch ends meat together. Drinking some coffee. Um she isn't encroaching on anyone's in anyone's turf in in any legitimate way. It's just another way to kind of add another thing on top of her. Um, Lily James's baby daddy is named Ian. He's played by James Badgedale, who I guess is okay. Um, in kind of a, the same way that Alexander uh, Skarsgård was good, was okay in um, Hold the Dark. He just kind of has this weird haunted quality while still trying to like overlay some personality on it it's 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 like a weird performance but i actually think it's just the writing that makes it weird um <clears throat> he literally can't live he i don't he lives in a va hospital i think or a va shelter or something um and he's a drunk and he can barely scrape money together for child support and doesn't have any real relationship with his son um but when she tells him that she's going to have a baby um, he gets all belligerent about, you know, her having that baby. Um, you know, he says he'll do better. 
Um, just, but he he clearly can't do better. I mean, and Lily James's character says like, no, you can't. Um, but why even bother to kind of add these layers? I mean, they're just layers for the sake of adding layers. Um, in a very traditional movie sort of way, like the plot needs to be as complicated as possible for all these um, under like these social undercurrents to to be represented fully um and they don't really need to be um it, there's a, a actually pretty compelling ollie in and of herself is actually a pretty compelling character although i don't think she's really drawn out that um drawn out that well there's a there's a good foundation there um but yeah to that end the movie tries to include like way too many aspects of what it means to be poor um deborah granick is a very obvious influence on this movie um, but this movie is far less subtle, um, and because of that, um, much less interesting. Um, every single male character in this movie is bad. They either are on oxys, or they're selling oxys, or they're running um, treacherous, fake Canadian medical ID card um, manufacturings, and, uh, you know... There's a terrible scene where Lily James gets threatened um, over a hundred dollars by a guy who's gonna forge a, a card for her. Um, the movie—it's weird though because the movie is—I'm I'm, not—I'm not gonna say the movie's anti-male because it isn't, um, and it really has nothing to do with gender um, at all. It's just, I think, bad writing or just not. Not fully realized writing. I think this is one of those things where, like, a first-time filmmaker, first-time, uh, you know, I don't know if she's a first-time screenwriter. I probably should have checked before I did that. And maybe I should stop recording this and check, but I'm not going to. Um, just really kind of every idea seemed like the best possible idea, and she just kind of did it. And uh, there, there, this maybe didn't have enough time to grow or maybe it grew too far and didn't get didn't get cut back at all. Um so it's just like a weird, it's just a strange thing. Um, the movie also, to that end, relies way too heavily on, like, really on-the-nose pop music to convey a specific mood or emotion. Um, the score by Brian McGomber is actually really good. I mean, it's not one of the great scores of all time, but it's a very good score. Um, and when it, it's allowed to do its job, it is very effective. It just is not allowed to do its job um, that often. So... I mean, to that, to to end this review, the reason that you should go on to Hulu and watch this movie is just um, to watch Tessa Thompson act, um, and she's quickly becoming, um, I don't know, like the forerunner in a generation of of new movie stars who just doing something on screen is magnetic enough to keep you watching it, um, and she's very very good in this movie. Um, and the ultimate failing with this, or not failing, because it's not like an unwatchable movie. The the movie just the movie just layers on too many plot points, and because of that, it never crests. Um, the plot points don't ever kind of coalesce into like a, a catharsis; they just kind of fall away one by one. Um, so it leaves it being kind of emotionally flat. So her performance, which is which is excellent. Um, just kind of lies there on the screen waiting for like another actor or for the director or for the score even to come and, and pick it up and, and do something with it. Um, but no one ever really does. And so 
there's just a kind of empty feeling when when it's done. I mean, the, the cinematography um, by Matt Mitchell is 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 good. Um, it's workmanlike, but um, you know, it conveys mood very well. There's a couple of of uh, pretty striking um, <clears throat> landscape shots, but other than that, it's it's you know, um, it's a good movie. Tessa Thompson's very good. It's definitely not a bad movie, um, but I think it's a movie with that if a little more time was taken in um, getting the script together, um, that it could have been a, a stronger movie. The emotions could have been could have been deeper, and we could have had less plot and more um, and more character stuff in there. Um, so yeah, I was also gonna um, review Adopt a Highway, the new Logan Marshall Green movie starring Ethan Hawke, but I didn't get to it. Um, so I'm just gonna skip right to um, the last movie I'm gonna talk about, which is. Uh, David, the writer David Shields um, made this movie based on um, the life of Marshawn Lynch called Lynch, A History. This is actually like born and raised and bred and pissing in them hallways and running down them alleyways. And I really did that right here. And now I get an opportunity to play here. What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> now we're here to work. Yeah. I, I see that. Uh, you can just try it hard real quick. But then at the end of the day, you know, I still walk outside. So, you know, beside the billboards and all of that, like, I mean, I really just get out with the people. That, the billboards is for the commercial people. But when you get outside and you walk in the cracks, you get to find out what's real. I got out to some other countries. Go ride the camera right now, you feel me? Countries where is real. Just let me know I didn't know shit. No matter where I was at, the people were the same. You had your higher-ups, you had your in-betweens, and then you had your, your rock bottoms. Yeah. yeah, I fit in with the rock bottoms. Um... I love David Shields. He's been a big influence on me as um, a writer and a thinker about culture and uh, myself. So I went into this movie, um, which I caught on Amazon. It's um, You can uh, stream it on um, various platforms. You can rent it um, or buy it if you want um, on, on, on pretty much all the digital platforms, I think. Um, I caught it on Amazon. Um so yeah, I went into this movie ready to be an apologist for it, ready to kind of confront whatever it was that he was offering and make the case for it regardless of how I felt about it. Um, perhaps I should be more objective um, as a movie reviewer, but when it comes to certain certain people in my orbit, I really don't care. Um, I can find... I'm so in tune with what they're doing that I can find... Um, positives in it regardless of of what's actually happening so what i didn't expect though is to be moved um by this movie to be uh struck by this movie um to find it compelling in many of the same ways that uh ezra edelman's uh oj made in america um from last year was um but this movie just does it this movie does differently. The the OJ Made in America thing, I think by episode three, I was feeling very overwhelmed and just kind of, um, I'd had enough of it. It's just so heavy that it, for me anyway, it just got hard, even though I think it's a, it's an amazing piece of filmmaking, an amazing piece of documentary filmmaking. It is, um, it is a lot and it asks a lot of you. And it also asks that you really, um, 
that you really care about OJ, and I have not ever been, I've not been one of those people that found, like, OJ to be a fascinating case. I find the whole thing more sad than I do really interesting. Um, but nevertheless, it's a really compelling film. But this movie does it, this film does, says a lot of the same things and asks a lot of the same questions about race and about celebrity and about uh, the culture's expectations of um, the people that we've decided to put on pedestals. Um, but instead of laying it out piece by piece, hour after hour, um, and telling these full stories, David Shields does what he does so well, which is he has scoured the internet and looked for um, all the video he could of Marshawn Lynch giving interviews or doing stuff or whatever, and he has uh, juxtaposed those clips with, you know, clips of Donald Trump saying things or clips of Tucker Carlson or clips of people on Fox and Friends or clips of pictures of lynchings and um, pictures, uh, like, scans of a Dr. Seuss book because Marshawn Lynch once said that his favorite book was The Cat in the Hat. Um there you know clips of uh, little wayne um giving an interview clips of lots of other people marshawn lynch i guess he contacted marshawn lynch and asked him if he wanted to be involved in the picture and he said that he didn't but he didn't stop him from making a movie about him and so he just did what he does best which is um he curates this kind of visual collage um of of how marshawn lynch fits into our perceived notion, like I said, of what we want our our celebrities to be doing, or rather, who we think our um, celebrities should be. Um, and Marshawn Lynch is more representative of how Lynch believes that the American culture has positioned the black celebrity. Um. In that they haven't really, despite everyone saying, you know, there's a Fox and Friends news clip where they're saying, like, there's no institutional, you know, racism anymore. Um, there, You only have to say that there's no institutional racism anymore if there is clearly institutional racism. And I think one of the, the really fascinating things about the movie is... And it's, you know, it's... As going through my, you know, getting my MFA right now... Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, you work on in, in a writing is like the show don't tell thing. Um, and David Shield just kind of shows it to us and he lets us just put it together for ourselves. I mean, he's been doing this forever. And one of my favorite books is his book, um, um, how literature saved my life. And the first time I read it, you know, there's a, there's an amazing, amazing, amazing section where he just lists a bunch of books that like had a really profound effect on him. And he doesn't specifically say why they had a really profound effect on him. He just kind of, you know, throws an idea like a representative phrase of that book. And, and you have to do the work yourself to put it together with the larger uh, argument that the book is making. And that's what he's doing here. And um, some of it is very, some of it is very on the nose and some of it, um, but it almost kind of it almost kind of has to be in a montage, you know what I mean? You have you have to put these things together. You just in the same way that the movie ends with it being like what the the African American athlete um, is saying versus what the white athletic celebrity is saying. So you have um, you know 
Greg Popovich and uh, a couple of other people, Bill Belichick kind of doing the same thing, but do they, people just kind of refer to, if you, if you like know sports at all, people just kind of refer to them as like lovably crabby in Bill Belichick's case or in Greg Popovich's case, a hero. But when um, Marshawn Lynch used to not answer interview questions, um, he was criticized for it. They would do news stories about the fact that Marshawn Lynch wouldn't talk. And, um, you know, they would say, commentators would say, like, well, he's being paid to talk. You know, he's got this great life because of X, Y, and Z. You know, why can't he talk? Why can't he stand for the national anthem? Why does he have to be so disruptive? Um, and he, you know, argues that this his silence is... Um, a form of protest against what he perceives as the culture's placement of him and what is expected of him. He is expected to do, and again, in, in Shields makes this case visually, he is expected to just play the game and do whatever is asked of him. He is, he is expected to support um, the culture's demand for whatever they want from him and he won't and he took a lot of shit for it and as you see at the end there's a whole bunch of other like athletes that are that have kind of started to do the same thing and it's funny because i follow this stuff like they also take a bunch of crap for it like they're considered surly people they're considered you know russell westbrook is is not considered like an easy guy um lebron james is considered like a very complicated guy and everything that LeBron James says gets magnified times a million, as me and Mario talked about on the podcast the other day um, when we were talking about um, China. Um, it's a very relevant movie, and it is not um, – It's not. I wouldn't say it's a, a difficult movie, but it's not at, at like the half-hour mark. You kind of – your brain kind of starts putting stuff together, and, and when you start to put stuff together like that, your brain kind of cries out for like a narrative. Um or a traditional narrative, but once you get past that that kind of weird spot in the middle, um, which is not really there in the film, it's just kind of in how we generally consume media. Um, even someone like me who like really enjoys this type of stuff, um, my head just traditionally wants like a, a narrative in there. Um, but it moves, it moves really fast and is really compelling, and you just kind of. I don't know. I just kill. I don't, and I don't know why I should feel this way because I'm very aware of it. Um, like the nature of the media and stuff right now, I'm probably too aware of it. Um, just like flabbergasted, like this is what our culture is. Like it, it never fails to amaze me, and it just th the movie is great because it just kind of throws it right in your face. This is all from television. This is all from the internet. This is our media. Um, this is how we are operating. This is our, you know, our president, our or the governor of California at one point when they were, they showed a clip of Ronald Reagan. Um, this is us, um, and it's weird, and it's it feels weird, and it doesn't feel comfortable all the time, but it is, um, in its way, um, you know, vaguely thrilling. Um, so I suggest, I mean, I suggest you check it out. Even if you don't like Marshawn Lynch, it's just, it, it's a commentary on the culture that we live in today. Um, less, more so that than it is just about Marshawn Lynch. Like I said, Marshawn Lynch is representative of, of, of something 
something deeper and more complicated in their culture. So um, that's going to be it for Solo Tom Pivotal Film Podcast. Um, you can email us at pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail.com if you've got anything um, you want to add or make suggestions or whatever. You can go to uh, twitter.com slash film pivotal. I almost said film pivotal. Uh, twitter.com slash film pivotal. Um, just, I, I don't know, we're going to post stuff. We always post something. Um, I don't know if it's valuable or whatever. Um, or you can go to pivotalfilm.com and see a list of the movies um, on mine and Mario's lists or a list of the beers that we drank or how to subscribe to the podcast. Or, um, you know, we'll be posting our best of the year lists pretty soon. We'll be posting our best of the of the of the century so far we're gonna do everyone else is doing best of the decade we're gonna take it us 10 years further and we're gonna do like you know 2000 2019 um we'll be doing that in a couple of weeks but we will be back next week like i said with our um episode 41 uh and probably a bonus episode of us talking about um parasite and pain and glory and jojo rabbit so keep a lookout for that um But until then, yeah, go see a movie, drink a beer or coffee if it's 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, and we'll talk to you next week.